Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm your host, Paul Arnold. I'm joined by Ernest Watts, who's here with me every week. Love to hear his commentary, but we're joined tonight by Chris Daniel out in Denver, Colorado, who just bought a house. How does it feel to be a homeowner, Chris? Oh, it feels great, Paul. Thanks for asking. We've only had one gas leak. We've had uh, one, our dryer vents needed cleaning out, and uh, yeah, it's been fantastic. Thanks for asking. Oh, come Should on. You- That's to be expected. It's not a money pit yet, right, Ernest? <laughs> I was going to say, you want to talk to the homeowner. Isn't that the bank right now? Oh, that's right. Boom. They own this a lot of this house. <laughs> Speaking about owning, we're going to talk about who really owns the NCAA football coaches poll this morning that I saw and was shocked. We're also going to talk about Major League Baseball, but we're going to start by wrapping up our thoughts about the Olympics. You know, we know the music. We know the events and yet every year something comes up that is really awesome and this is chris this is your chance to tell us what you enjoyed about the olympics with a daughter who's three right she's two and a half or two and three quarters she'll be three in october so my favorite olympic moment is watching the men's um shot put the reason why i was so interested this year is because one of the um girls that I I graduated with, one of the women I graduated with in high school, she was the, she was the coach and wife of the silver medalist, uh, Joe Kovacs. So I got to see her and see her husband. And and it was actually a pretty good competition between, um, gold and silver and Americans took the gold and silver, but it it was pretty fun to see her. And she was, she was the coach at the, the throw coach at Ohio state. And then she just, uh, got a new job at, at Vanderbilt. So it was kind of cool just watching that. And there's a little, you know, history there. So that was my kind of fun Olympic moment this year. Isn't every wife a coach of her husband though? Not, not this kind of coach. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> not that one, not that one yells at and, and you know, you get no feedback. Or you don't, you, <laughs> Paul, I think you're confusing the word critic with coach. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Ouch. Wow. Well, Ernest, your takeaway, when you think about looking at the Olympics, what's your takeaway? You said looking, so I guess I got to talk about women's beach volleyball. No, I mean, <laughs> Caleb Dressel, I mean, it's a, amazing how we constantly come up with the swimmers, the stars in swimming, uh, Katie Ledecky, what she did in swimming. I mean, uh, I mean, the story is going to be Simone Biles, and I think that's something that's going to resonate when these Olympics are forgotten, uh, you know, the issues of anxiety and stress it's, it's, and you talked about last week in watching Canadian coverage, it's kind of a pure thing. American is, is kind of slanted towards the American stars, but it's also the pressure. I mean, the last few days, it was this pressure that we couldn't let China win more gold medals than America, even though America won the most medals. And it's it's even the basketball team. It was the I didn't see joy when the men's and women's team won. I saw relief, which is kind of sad in many respects. I mean, I don't I don't I think a lot of in the traditional sports American athletes compete with the idea that if I don't get gold, I'm a I'm a failure. When you don't see that with the you know I watched Italy, and they split the high jump and the hundred meter dash. And they were so ecstatic, those particular athletes. I watched those two 14-year-old Chinese divers synchronize swim. 
get the perfect score. And then, you know, the Buffalo are five years old, but, but the, you know, uh, uh, you know, the wrestler, uh, the female wrestler for America, she was one of the few Americans I saw actually be able to express joy in that respect. But I, I love the, I'm on, listen, I'm addicted to the Olympics. I know this was the lowest rated of all time because the events were 13 hours before we were able to see them. But I'm 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 in withdrawal. I'm in Olympics withdrawal right now. I mean, you know how bad it is with Olympics withdrawal. I'm watching NBA summer league basketball. That's how horrible wow. I am. Wow. That's that's how bad it is. I love the Olympics. It's like Christmas. It doesn't come around enough. And it doesn't last long enough. I, I really enjoy it. I mean, the good thing is I got to wait next year for the winter and three more years for Paris, which will probably be on our time zone type of thing, since they're six hours ahead of us, they'll schedule more stuff in prime time. Mm. Ernest, can I ask you one, one question? And this goes to Paul too, but there's also a trivia question for the Paris Olympics. So the trivia question is this year, as you know, they started surfing as a, uh, an Olympic event. Where are they going to have surfing in the 2024 or I'm sorry, twenty yeah, 2024 Paris Olympics. Well, see, they've done this before. I'll give you an example. When the Olympics were in Atlanta, Paul and I attended, the whitewater rafting had to be done at Toka Lake, which is two hours away from Atlanta, and the yachting and the canoeing and all that was done in Savannah. So they'll find, hopefully not Dunkirk, but they'll find somewhere off the coast of Paris to do that. So a lot... There have been a lot of landlocked Olympics where they've had to do the water sports some distance away. Even this time, the baseball was about an hour away up in the northern part of Japan. So what you're describing is actually a wrong answer. Um, (laughs) It is not going to be an hour, two hours. It's going to be in the middle of the Pacific in Tahiti. We'll see. That's not bad. Well, they own some property there. I've got one for they, you. They do. Okay. When, when, when were the uh, two times the Summer Olympics were not held in the summer? Ooh. Oh, uh, the, 19, the, the 1938 Olympics, I believe it was somewhere in Western Europe. Has, has and then, been that long ago. Oh, and then the 1984 Olympics, which were again in Eastern Europe. You want to help him, Paul? Uh, I don't know. Where was the last Olympics at? Uh, down in uh, Argentina, Brazil, Brazil, Rio. Yeah, and when it's summer here, what time is it in Rio? Oh, winter. And when it was in Melbourne, Australia. Oh, trick question. So, not a trick question. Yeah, sort of, sort of. The summer Olympics, when they have it at those two locations, it's in the winter. Trick question. Okay. And then lastly, lastly, sorry, one one more Olympic thing. Okay. So I asked my wife, or my wife asked me, what do you think the Olympics is all about? I'm like, obviously winning. Money. She said, she said, no, it's about bringing everyone together. I said, what a load of crap. And wow, we had, we had some, Chris. We had some guests over, and she asked the same question, and she's like, the 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 other uh, spouse, the wife said, oh, it's to bring everyone together. I said, what? What is this? Is this correct, Ernest? No, it's money. 
Thanks. Ernest hey, always says money about everything, but the uh, yeah, that's true. about everything in life except this podcast is about money. <laughs> Not after we get our sponsorship <laughs> yeah. from Cottonell. Yes, yes, and the Olympics is about fellowship and getting together. That's why Russia and other te- other teams cheat. That's why America's cheated. Yeah. But it brother, used to be brother, about. That's why we cheat. It used to be about yeah, and I used to think Jerry Lewis was funny too. Okay, oh. a lot of used to be. <laughs> this is why we can't get sponsorship. I, I used to Paul. think I used to think the comedian who did Fat Albert was funny too. But, oh. you know, you wow. grow up and you you get out of the you know your eyes become open. It's about money. That's why NBC pays a billion dollars for each Olympic to broadcast it. Okay, folks, the heartwarming commentary from Ernest Watts is brought to you by <laughs> Trek and Field, a Nintendo Super Nintendo system game. Um, I was going to talk about so a warm and fuzzy feeling. Um, so when my son was little, I was introducing him to um, video games, first on the computer and then on Super Nintendo, and we loved playing Track and Field. And we also played the uh, Olympic um, 1996 Olympic Summer Games on our Sega Saturn. So... I mean, that was so much fun because it wasn't too hard. They designed it pretty easily to try to do high jump or, you know, javelin throw. And then you could play the decathlon. And it was a lot of fun. And it really got you in the spirit when you actually saw it. But, of course, it wasn't. It it was just fun. It was so basic graphics and things like that. And I have to admit, Jill, I think growing up, that was the promotion. Like, here, let's, we are the world, you know. Uh, the Coca-Cola commercial, you know, the whole idea, the 70s, can't we just all come together, you know, type of thing. But it is about money sometimes. Um, guys, guys, you had, the, you had a terrorist attack in Munich in 1972. You had the withdrawal of America because of Afghanistan in the 1980 Olympics. You had the communist countries not participate in the 1984 Olympics. I don't want to remember all that. I was going to say, it, it, you had... You had 1936 Olympics. You had Hitler trying to normalize his, his Nazi regime with the Olympics in Berlin. It has always been historically a political tool and a means for money. But I love it. I watch every minute of it. I'm, I'm not jaded in the same sense. I love the competition. Hmm. Which side are you listening to right now? Your good side or your evil side? I, I'm a little confused. Well, I mean, I mean it's all of history really reveals the crevices and the cracks and the fault lines, and the clay feet and everything. But for the athletes themselves who are being taken advantage of by other individuals, kind of like NCAA football, uh, I mean, I enjoy the competition, the competition itself, but there's a CB history behind it. There always has been. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to something a little bit more redeeming. At least I felt it more redeeming. These guys, I didn't prep on was going to talk about it, but on, on Sunday, I was up north, and it was supposed to be beautiful outside, and I had a headache, and I went into the house, and I was watching the Hall of Fame, the NFL Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And, man, I could not turn it off. It was on the best two hours I'd spent in a long time. They did it so well. They shortened up the speeches. Uh, hearing those athletes say it's not, I wouldn't be up here without these people in my life, and just really talking about the lessons they learned and um, just thanking their families. Man, it was awesome. I don't know if you guys caught part of it or all of it, but it was one of the most enjoyable parts where you could just see these athletes were generally grateful 
and they had arrived at this amazing place and uh, Charles Woodson even swore in front of his mom, but it was still cool because he was saying, who says that a single mother can't raise two good men? And, and she and he said BS to that, and the whole crowd roared. So, Ernest, I know you watch everything football. How much of it did you watch? I watched uh, Peyton's speech afterwards. Uh, I was in pool. What can I say? I listened to baseball. And watching Canadian football, so what <laughs> you watch Canadian football instead of watching oh, the Hall of Fame? Yeah, speech. That's all. Oh man, Ernest! I mean, you can see the speech oh, later on. Oh my gosh! I, Chris has a, a little girl. He has an excuse for not watching it. Did you watch any of it, Chris? I unfortunately, I was at a bachelor party in the mountains, so we didn't get to watch any of it. But. I had I uh, that's where I grew up was in Canton, Ohio. So I have been of many of Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame parades. I've marched in the Hall of Fame parade. Uh, so I I know a lot about the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I've been to there like three times. It's actually a pretty cool museum. Oh, it's nice. They've actually opened up an annex at Myrtle Beach, an additional one. But, but oh yeah, I mean I I spent an entire day there. It was great. Well, yeah, because Pitt- Myrtle Beach and football, you know, that's, that's yeah. deep-rooted history. <laughs> well, Peyton- you know, it, it did get me psyched up for, you know, Peyton and Eli are going to do this alternate broadcast on ESPN Plus of Monday Night Football. Yeah. And they're going to bring in celebrity guests and all this. So I'm a little bit of that, I mean, I want to get a kind of feel for how he would do. And I think... I think more people are going to watch the ESPN Plus are going to watch the, the, the cable broadcast. Oh, heck yeah. Well, Peyton, I might get it just, just for that. <laughs> Peyton Manning sounded like the next commissioner of football, and Dan Patrick made a note of it the next day because he talked about his love. He talked about like he had a dream, pretended like he had a dream that at night all the bus come alive and they play football against That's each other. Manning. Manning. I mean, uh, uh, Madden says this all the time. John Madden's been saying this since he was in there 10 years ago, that, that he thinks the bus talk to each other at night. Yeah, um, I, think that, I, think, I think each one of them has been hitting the head too many times. That's just me. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you know what, you know what Payton's going to be the next owner of the Broncos. The Broncos are going up for sale in the next three years because, and Chris might know more about this than I do, I think the, the uh, Bolden family is, is kind of, there's some struggles between the heirs of Pat Bowden. That owner. is correct. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I actually don't think it's going to go. I, I don't know. It'll either go outside the family or it'll go to this. I think one of his youngest daughters, who's kind of like, there's been some uh, requirements. So you had to have either an MBA or a JD and then you had to work in the organization. So she's done all these requirements to get there. So I think it's either going to be her who's like, she's like 30 and she's going to own a freaking NFL team or uh, it'll, it'll go outside. And I think Elway cannot actually be a part of the, or like be part of the ownership unless he's out for like five years or something like that. So uh, he may be, he may, you know, try to get out before that. I don't know, but yeah, it, it, it that's an ongoing. Who made up all those rules? Uh, Pat. Yeah. It's in the rule book. Cause, cause, cause there's like, yeah, there's like seven kids. Oh yeah, he does. And he's yeah. on, all the local broadcasts all the time. He, he's watching practices and yeah, he's, he's definitely, I, I feel like he's out here more than he is Indianapolis or Tennessee. Remember now he had a base in Nashville for a long time, tax free status, no, no state tax. Uh, Cause a lot of uh, retired athletes moved either 
Florida, Texas, or Tennessee to avoid state income tax. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a good view. Sorry you guys didn't see it. Um, but let's go over to the um, the NCAA preseason's coaches poll. And probably a lot of people don't really care except for this one Big Ten fan. So they did a top 25. Guess which team didn't even make the top 25? I would assume from that leading question, as your son is an attorney, I would say Michigan. Yes, so the coaches have put these other teams ahead of Michigan. So this is going to stir up. Carolina. Carolina. Well, Carolina, you want to guess where they're at? I've seen them listed anywhere from 8th to 17th. Number nine, according to this one. Ooh. So for the top 12, 13, 14, I don't, I don't complain a bit. But how does you, University of Louisiana Lafayette get in number what? 23? How does not Coastal Carolina? Coastal Carolina is what, 18? 24. 24. Old Miss is 25. Iowa's 18. Indiana's 17. I'm thinking, I actually, what the I'm heck? okay with those two. I, I don't like the Coastal Carolina. Oh, the Chanticleers had an only had one your... loss all year, and that was in the bowl game. Yeah, you had your year. Move on. You, <laughs> you probably graduated 20 seniors. <laughs> no, I have a Chanticleers hat, though. But, hey, Myrtle Beach is the great, is a great recruiting area. Yeah, they got the Hall of Fame there now, the Annex. Yes, yes, so the it's, it's a It's a big driver of recruitment. So, I, co- Paul, Paul. What? We, what? Had, we don't have a quarterback. We have four, man. That's they exactly what means you don't have playing one. It, they're playing in other places. McCaffrey's at Nebraska, <laughs> right? But I guess it leads the question, when, as a fan, do you get, like, riled up? Because I, everybody knows Alabama, Clemson, and maybe outside chance of Oklahoma this year. Everybody else is just playing for, you know, chump change. So I'm not going to mention that school down south, are you? No, I'm not going to do it. Not going to okay. do it. So... Okay. When do you get riled up when you get, like, your team is getting dissed, Ernest? Hey, I never thought I'd live long enough where Carolina would be better at football and Michigan would be better at basketball. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a turnaround in that respect. Uh, I've, you know, there have been years. We've never been a football factory by no means. Carolina's always been called a sleeping giant. And every time we get ranked high, we lose the first two games of the season. I do more in basketball. It's, I guess it's the, wherever your school has a reputation for. If it's a football school, I mean, that's, that's the problem. And you've got to look at the talent and look at results. And you may be wed to a coach, but over a period of time, and, and in the Big 12, I mean, it's, it's Ohio State. And all the little sisters. It's just been that way for the last 10 years. I know. It's almost like coaches are saying, we're not giving Harbaugh any more credit anymore. Show us, you know, prove that you're any good because last year was pretty horrible. Yeah, but you haven't won a national championship and it was a partial one. What was that, 94, 92? I'm not even worried about that. You haven't even been to a Big Ten championship. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Well, I mean, you're in the same division with Ohio State. So That's okay. Championship comes down to one game. You have a one-game season. 
No, I don't think we've had a one game season because there's never been a lot where we we had to win that game where we've gone in where it's neck and neck. We've never had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's, we've never neither team has been undefeated going into that game. We've uh, everyone that's kind of the like, oh, yeah, if we do that. That'll that'll, you know, no, we've never we've never done that. So it's not even a like well, we've, three had, years we've had ago, that three years ago. If you won, you'd have gone to the championship, right? I don't know. I, I try to put everything out of uh, my head, <laughs> so I don't remember. Yeah. But I actually, I don't like. You think this, this is good? Like, this is locker room material. I, no, I think it is a little bit. No. But also from a fan's perspective, how boring is it to watch Alabama football until maybe like one or two good games of the year? It is boring. I'm not gonna lie. But Michigan football, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> and so it's a little bit more exciting. <laughs> oh, boy, you sound like a lawyer right now trying to twist that one all around. Wow. And, and I got news for you. In five years when Oklahoma and Texas join, they will not be playing Alabama in the regular season. They're, they're going to split it off to like a four, you know, four pods, and they may play those teams once in every ten years. Yeah, will Saban still be coaching then? Well, he's no. 71 now. Um, what, five years? No, nah, 76 now. Nah. How old was Paterno when he, when he was asked <laughs> Paterno to leave? Paterno did not leave on his own accord. When he was asked to leave. Yeah, the Wolves were at the door. Uh, Paterno was in his 80s. Jeez. Yeah. Bobby Bowden was in his 80s also. And Bowden was asked to leave. He was just given the opportunity to coach the last bowl game. Yeah. And I guess we take this time to talk about, I mean, Bobby Bowden is such a big part of college football in my lifetime. I had the opportunity to meet him, and I attended two of his games. And he was the epitome of a Southern gentleman. Now, was things going on under the table? Yeah, Deion Sanders talks about it all the time. You know, Steve Spurrier was correct. FSUs did stand for Free Shoes University. <laughs> But it was an exciting, and you know, if he had a decent field goal kicker, he probably would have had three more championships. But but he never struck you as that tyrant or that personality, or I mean, he just Bobby Bowen seemed like the guy you'd like to have as your grandfather, as your uncle, as your neighbor. He was a fine Christian gentleman, and and I never I've not heard anybody say anything bad about him at all. And you know how the media is; they like to pick out, point out the foibles and, and, and character flaws in people. And I think he, you know, he took a team that was a women's college up until 1950 and made them a national power for 15 years. They finished in the top three. And, uh, you know, before that only thing everybody knew Florida state was for was that Burt Reynolds and Lee Corso played in the backfield together. But they had no history, and, and he made them uh, – they were not much more different than what Alabama is now. They didn't win as many championships, but they were a national power. They were an independent school, and because of that, they were able to get a place in, in the ACC. Uh, and again, uh, two national championships, he has that, could have had three more. Didn't go wide right with field goal kickers, but he never trashed his players. He never trashed his coaches. Uh, he was fascinating to watch in the sidelines because he goes to the far end so he could see the offense and the defense. I don't think he got as much talent for being the offensive genius that he is, 
Because other than Dion, name me a superstar athlete that he had. Mm. I mean, he, he... Charlie Ward. Really? Superstar? A mediocre well, point guard? Well, he played guard, football and, and basketball. I mean... Well, and Chris Winkie played baseball and football. I wouldn't call him a... And he got him a national championship also. His two uh, championship quarterbacks were Chris Ward and, and Chris Winkie. Charlie Ward and Chris uh, Chris Winkie. So that's the talent that he had. Peter Warwick, did he do anything in the NFL? I mean, he did it with, with not the amount of talent uh, a lot of people think. What about Warwick Dunn? Mm, okay. Warwick was a pretty decent running back. How about defensive superstars? Derek yeah. Brooks? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Brooks and Dion. Got to give Dion. But, but. Do you see a massive amount of talent like goes through Alabama or what went through Miami? Look what Miami had at the same time period. Tester Verde, Jim Kelly, Steve Walker. Anquan Bolden. These are just names that are coming to me. Yeah, just coming to, yeah. <laughs> They're just I'm coming to me. You, you really got to search. I mean, we could, I can give you Notre Dame players, uh, Florida players, Miami players. I, I just think that Aw shucks mentality of Bobby Bowden kind of for a lot of people masked his his coaching ability. They thought he was just Sleepy Joe and and no, he was an offensive genius in that respect. He had an opportunity. They were gonna hire him or Mike Shula at Alabama, and they thought at that time, which is nineteen eighty four, that Bobby Bowden was too old to coach Alabama. And they took I mean, they weren't wrong. And they took, well, yeah, he, he won two championships after that. And Alabama stumbled and fumbled until they got in the present situation. Hey, hey has Mike Shula coached anymore since then? <laughs> NFL, I think, a little bit here and there. Yeah, yeah quarterback coach, that's it. But, but, again, I don't really think he got the credit that was due. And it's it's it ends – what coaches used to be. I mean, now they're CEOs, but back then you had a Jimmy Johnson and, and a Bo and Woody. And I mean, coaches were larger than life personalities. I think Bobby Bowden, Steve Spurrier. I was going to say Bobby Bowden was the ultimate example of a guy who could talk up anybody, right? He always had a good story always could tell a joke, always made people laugh. I mean, there's clips of him making um, Saban laugh, which is a minor miracle all to itself. Well, he, he, he'd tell recruits, he'd go to the mom and daddy and say, I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to make sure to go to church on Sunday morning. And and he was able to do that in that respect. Again, this is the personalities. And, you know, he, Randy Moss went there after he got kicked out of Notre Dame. And he failed a drug test. And Bobby Bowden said, I'm not going to give up on you. I can't keep you because that's a school regulation. But he got him a scholarship to Marshall. And for all we know, saved his career, maybe it saved his life. Mm. And that's, that's the stories you don't hear about it. Nice, nice. All right, so we're getting ready for a college football season. I've already said that disappointed Michigan wasn't even thought of in the top 25 but Chris is right until you have a quarterback and until you can prove yourself with a new coaching staff the other coaches are not going to give you credit 
Um, so it's obviously leaning toward Alabama being the top one. Ernest, what are you looking forward to the most in this college football season? Because it's almost here. It's almost oh. here. First week of the season, first Saturday, you've got Georgia versus Clemson in Charlotte, North Ooh. Carolina. That's that's the potential number two and number three team. That is going to be a battle. That will determine whoever loses that is going to be going to be one step away from not making the final four. I mean, I don't know if it hurts them that much because it's so early in the season. I hate early. Oh, I like, love really good early games. Games I mean, like I that. do, I do, but it just it's doesn't. A, it's like Saturday. give me a couple of games and like get a couple. Of, like I don't, I don't mind a couple. I don't want to see the Northwest <sighs> Louisiana State play Alabama. But here, then make then have a preseason, have like two game preseason, and that way these guys are ready to go on the first game, and you're not seeing mental errors and all that kind of stuff from two <laughs> freshmen playing. You don't want to see Miami play Alabama the first week of the season. I can't just have a two game preseason. Oh, playing enough games is it? No, no. I mean, I like I like the idea that Wisconsin and Notre Dame are going to play in Chicago Stadium. I like those games of teams that never play them each other. I like the idea that I think it, uh, Ohio State's playing Washington. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, Oregon. They're playing Oregon. The second week of the season, Oregon's playing Ohio State. Those are the kind of games you look forward to. And who gets I look the credit to, for these games? Michigan. Who put them together? All right, the athletics. Uh, the athletics usually, it's uh, I know the deal with Alabama and uh, Miami is in Atlanta, and that's a Dr Pepper kickoff special. Uh, the Clemson Georgia that used to be a rivalry. They used to play each other the first game of the season. Uh, that was put together, and I want to see mine here. Some some is sponsored. Usually, a sponsor pays both schools a lot of money to play at a neutral location. It's the same with the Wisconsin-Notre Dame game, which is going to be in Chicago, which is going to be a home game for Notre Dame. It's it's weird that Bowling Green's not getting those uh, calls. <laughs> it's weird? <laughs> it, I'm just fascinated. I'm sure they're playing that. somebody. They're going to make it a payday. They're going to get a payday that first week. Don't you worry. Yeah, yeah. See, that's the ones. I, I'd rather see games. that I, I don't want to see 50-point blowout. I don't want to see – and I think – when you get an expanded playoff, teams are more likely to try and test themselves. So one thing college basketball has an advantage over college football is because the playoffs are so expanded, teams will try and play themselves. Like Gonzaga played, I think, seven teams in the top 20 in last year in basketball. You, you'd never see. I mean, Alabama will do that because they know they're going to roll over everybody. But I like seeing those outside of those South Mississippi games or Southern Alabama playing Alabama, those blowouts. Uh, just for the record, uh, Bowling Green first, first week plays a uh, little school in, in uh, Chattanooga, uh, Tennessee. Are they in Chattanooga? Well, there's Knoxville. Tennessee. Knoxville. 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 Chattanooga Knoxville. is in Chattanooga. Sorry. <laughs> they're, they're playing tennis university of Tennessee. So that should be a, I think a nail biter. Uh, I'll take Bowling Green. Yeah, but the points. I will. Tennessee uh, has lost a lot of players. Yeah. Tennessee is an under 500 team. Yes. And then all, Wisconsin all Wisconsin is playing Eastern Michigan second week of the uh So going to be in Eastern Michigan? Team. Can Paul drive five miles and see that? Uh, that's in Wisconsin, though. I figure. Shockingly. Shockingly. It's a payoff game. That's, yeah. 
take your money. You know, one time a school did that. They, uh, it was Appalachian State. About 15, 17 years ago, they took a big payout to play a big team. La, 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 who la, was, la, 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 I'm not listening okay. to you. I'm not listening how to you. Are these, how are these <laughs> Mac schools getting all of these big games? Like Kent State is playing Texas A&M first game of the season. It's the and then Kent is playing Iowa. It's like, that's, but there's the but, games you want to see. That's instead of Georgia Clemson. That's what you want to see. No, I said, I want a preseason. I want these teams at they're like primed and ready. I don't want to see the first game of the season out of the box. Like there's just so it's just sloppy a little bit. So I, I want to see them primed. So you want to see preseason games, which the schools charge money for to make even more money off of these <laughs> Uh, excuse dollars. me, Bowling Green never charged a, me a dime for okay. going to yeah. their games. They, we actually, they actually they pay, pay you to, to come see them. That's right. All right, let That's me exactly go to a different right. tact here. Uh, Chris, you grew up in Ohio, the hotbed of football, a lot of people argue. Now you live out in Denver, Colorado. How is the fan support of college football different out there? Because I've, I've lived in five states. It's a little different each state how they view sports, like Kentucky basketball is definitely king. Indiana basketball is king. North Carolina basketball is king. You get the point. But Georgia is all about football. Uh, Ohio is all about football. What about uh, Colorado? Yeah, so Ohio State or Ohio is all about even just high school football. I mean, it's just every Friday night. And then living in Michigan with, you know, in Ann Arbor, I mean, just I mean, the whole fall was just consumed by by Michigan football out here. You know, more I, I, it's more of a Denver Bronco. It's not I mean, unless you live in Boulder, it's not, you know, where the University of Colorado is. I, I guess there's a little bit of that, but it's not that big of a college town, especially in Denver. Uh, it's just not that big of a college. There's some I mean, but if I think if if Colorado was better or was a competitive, then, it, it, you know, they might get a little bit more. But no one really no one cares. It's all about the Broncos out here. But yeah, you got a history. Air Force has always been one of the stronger service teams. They I would love to, play, to go see an Air Force game. The the Colorado State Colorado game used to be in Denver every year. I, yep. They, yeah, I mean Colorado State has a history of uh, being a fairly strong. The Rams, yeah, yeah, college yep. football team. Uh, I mean, they're in the they're in the uh, the Mountain West. West. Mountain, yeah. Mountain West. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So they're they're good and. I yeah, it's it's just it's not it's just it doesn't it's not the same. Yeah, no, Ernest, it's definitely not the same. If you didn't, well, let me ask real. Let me ask Chris a real quick question. Yep. With the changeover in conferences, would you rather see Colorado go to the Big Twelve? I mean, that's that's. What I mean, they, they were in the Big Twelve. I'd rather yeah. see them in the Big Ten, but that's just me. Uh, they but, may all be at one conference uh, sooner or later. That's right. No, I. I I don't really. I mean, again, I mean those Nebraska Colorado games when I was a kid. Oh, I yeah, that's a, yeah. They, I mean, everybody gets up for for. I mean, they they do talk about like when we beat the snot out of them. I think they played them a couple years ago and they beat the snot so, out of Nebraska. And, so who's their big? Who's their Pac-12 rival? Utah. Utah. Yeah, I was gonna say Utah. I mean, it's what? not nobody. It's nobody on the coast. It's nobody in in Oregon or Washington. I mean, I, I guess it's Utah. Maybe. Arizona, Arizona State, but it's 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 there's nothing. There's See, not a real the big fact rivalry. that you answer that way. I mean, I asked Paul, who's Michigan's rival. He can't get that school down south out enough. Duke, Carolina. I mean, that's 
in every sport. I mean, you got to have a rivalry to be in a conference. I'm sorry. I think, I think Nebraska would have been, I mean, I loved, I mean, that seems like a geographical natural um, rivalry, but it's just, it's not, you know, cause Kansas is, I mean, the Kansas is another state that's, you know, close by, but they're not a, they're not a football school. So, you know, and they're so lopsided on one, you know, on basketball that, and you know, Colorado, I think they have a decent program for, for basketball, but they're just, they're just, they're like B athletes, even though they're in division one, they're just B athletes. I'm sorry, Paul. I got, you had an important question. That's all right. That's no problem. So we're going to do a little change of pace here, a quick hitters. We haven't done this in a while. I'm going to ask you guys questions. You give me a quick answer without explanation. I know this takes a lot of discipline for especially one co-host here, but <laughs> we can we can do this. And then we're going to, Ernest, let you give us a movie review of Suicide Squad number two. Because sure. I, I know that was you were very high on that, and I want to know why you were high on it. All right, here's first quick hitter. Uh, what... College football helmet would you want that's not your home team's helmet? Chris. I like University of Florida's. The Gator, then sometimes they have the F, and sometimes they write the Gators out there. I, I think it's a, I like their Florida, right. the Gator. Right, long enough explanation. Ernest. Sorry, I'm sorry. Politically incorrect, but Florida State. Wow. Okay. I, you know, I brought this up because I thought Air Force is a very cool helmet. I always liked the Air Force helmet. Chargers. At, hey, Charger. nothing wrong with that. Then the second question is, what NFL team helmet would you want besides your home team, Ernest? Oh wow, uh, Colts. Oh really? Oh I yeah, up, I know why. I grew okay. up a Colts. I grew up a Colts fan. Yeah, no doubt, Chris. Uh, oh, Seattle. You? Oh, okay. I I didn't see that coming. All right. Yeah. So uh, the Superchargers, you know, it's 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 used to be San Diego, now it's Los Angeles. I love that helmet too. So there's a theme going there both places. All right, and the last thing we'll ask, the only thing we'll talk about baseball today, besides your home favorite baseball team, what team are you rooting for right now, Ernest? Tampa Bay. Really, Rays? Okay. Yeah. I, I, the idea of having the lowest payroll, and winning the World Series, would just blow everybody's would blow the Dodgers' minds. <laughs> and Chris. Same same team. Go Rays. Really? Okay. I'm rooting for those Red Sox again. Just can't get it out of my system. Been there once, so I always want to go back there again. All right, Ernest, you love movies. I went to see Black Widow a couple weeks ago, and I gave a review last week and said it was great. But you were all fired up to go see Sewer Squad 2, and then you texted that it was amazing. All right, give us a review, Mr. Movie Reviewer. Without spoilers, you know, I'm a big James Gunn fan. He did all the, uh, did an underrated horror movie called Slither. Uh, he's also done the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Got in trouble with some tweets he made and got fired, rehired. Uh, the original uh, Suicide Squad, which was a Suicide Squad, was by David Ayer. It was an unmitigated mess. He's brought it back. He has turned the entire trope of superhero movies inside out. Uh, the more I say, the more I'll spoil. Uh, again, it's one of those that you got to watch the humor in it. I'm a big Ildris Abel fan. I mean, uh, he should be the next James Bond, but it's not him. It's David Del Monchon is the polka dot man. Um, you know, what's the wrestler's name? He, he, he plays. Oh, John Captain Cena. Frieda. 
John Cena does a great job in that respect. I mean, this is all the characters are great. Uh, Margot Robbie is is Harley Quinn. No one else should ever try and play that role. She does it perfectly. You never know what's coming. It is probably the closest thing to a rated X violent movie you'll ever see. It is the bloodiest thing. But it's in the first five minutes, it takes the entire story, turns it inside out. When you it, say that, they, the entire story, you mean the previous two movies? Previous movie. Well, One there's previous. a Harley Quinn sub-movie, yeah, wasn't Yeah, yeah, but, but this, she actually plays the, she plays the part much better in this. They modified it to a certain extent. And they took a DC character that I thought could never be on the silver screen, and they put it on there. Uh, there are certain comic book characters... Bing Fang Foom in Marvel, which is a dragon. Galacticus, which is this giant that eats planets. And you go like, how are they going to make a movie out of this? And they do this, and I don't want to spoil it with a big DC character, a villain, that you thought, well, how can they do this? And it makes sense in that respect. And it's, it's funny, it's profane, it's extremely violent. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is the voice of Killer Shark which is a half-man, half-shark character. Uh, it's just a great, I think Harry Potter movie. already did that, but go ahead. Um, yeah, but Stallone with his voice, it's just, again, it's, it's, it's well done. You go in with certain expectations, and it's blown up at the first five minutes. It's just really done. And anybody like me that hates Pete Davidson likes what happens to him in the movie. <laughs> wow. Wow. You're saying there's no tattoos left after his role in the movie. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I'm just saying it's very satisfying to see what happens to wow. him in the movie. Wow. Wow. That's, you know, that doesn't sound like exactly like my type of movie. I, I like it more straightforward like the Black Widow was. Chris, you probably haven't seen a movie in a long time. What was the last movie you saw in the movie theater? Uh, in the movie theater? Yeah. Uh, Mary Poppins too? No, no, it was uh, Joker. Oh, that's right. Ooh, that's not good. You mean in yikes with Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah, yeah that was. I went and actually, and out here, I did not. Uh, I was a little actually nervous about seeing that just because of we had the shooting in Aurora. Yeah, that's why I said ooh, so that's actually, not good. I I did a I did a matinee at a. Uh, a very s- small theater. Um, like a, it was like like 10 a.m. in the morning. I'm like, eh, I feel okay about this. So, last yeah. movie I saw in a theater, because streaming now you could, you know, watch a lot of movies. Was because uh, I've seen Quiet Place two already. But the last one I saw in a movie theater was Ford versus Ferrari. That was That's a good movie. That was an awesome movie. Two years ago, maybe. That's the last actual theater movie I've seen. Yeah. All right, guys, as we start to wrap it up, I always ask you for a few good minutes. Ernest, why don't you start? Give Chris some time to get all his thoughts together because he has so many. Okay. <laughs> uh, if I didn't bring you down with my take on the Olympics and and my modeling uh, display about Bobby Bowden, let's go one more, okay? Let's go for the full Xanax. Uh, Tony Esposito died today, and I had the, uh, I had the rare pleasure to meet him. I went to the first exhibition game of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I was sitting in the upper deck, and lo and behold, I turned, and there's Phil Esposito and his brother Tony O. 
And Tony O was, in my childhood, one of the great goalies along with Ken Dryden in the NHL. Uh, the Blackhawks got him away from the uh, uh, Bruins. And in his first rookie year, not only was rookie of the year, but he won the Vesna Trophy, which is the top goalie of the year. And uh, he was an all-star for six years, just a solid. He was the first of the big goalies. Before that, they were all 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, he was 6'3". That led to Ken Dryden, who was 6'4". You started seeing bigger guys play goalie. Of course, that led to commercials where you had Seals and Walruses playing goalie, which you can't do. But uh, it, it was, it, like I said, he gave a idiot a little bit of time, spoke to me, and kind of like Bobby Bowden uh, held my attention and, uh, when he spoke to me, and I was grateful for that. And for that reason, uh, I ate that for the Esposito family. But uh, another star of my childhood passes away. Reach for the Xanax, folks. That's all I do to people. <laughs> Chris? <laughs> you know, the Hall of Fame was with this year and um, you know, or this past weekend. And I think it's just it kind of just, you know, cause these guys have been out for five years, like Peyton Manning and, and Charles Woodson. And I, I think during that time, you, you just forget about their greatness. And, you know, with, with, uh, Tom Brady being there, it's like, Oh my gosh, like his time is coming and he's going to have to walk away. And it, it's, I mean, whether you hate some players cause they're so good or they're part of a system or, you know, or, you know, they deflated some balls, whatever it, it just, it puts in perspective though, like these guys are so good and, and you kind of miss it and they, they made the game what, what it is today. And, um, so I, I do, uh, I wasn't even out here when, when Peyton was here. So I can't even say, you know, I miss him as a Bronco, but just what he brought to the game and, and, you know, it just, I, I kind of, he's always going to be in the TV, but I just miss him as a player. Cause I, there was nobody like him, um, as a player. So it just kind of, you know, makes you rethink things and just, you know, you, the question always gets asked of Brady, you know, when are you retiring? When are you retiring? It's like, why just let him play and just enjoy why it's last. And I think more and more of that about even LeBron, like we're watching something special and, you know, when it goes away, no one knows who's going to be the next kind of superstar to take that. Not only just the talent, but also the charisma that, that LeBron has. So it's just, you know, it, it kind of is a happy, but a little bit just like, Oh man, where, where's the time gone? But, mm. um, yeah. So, so I see a sense of theme. It makes you feel out. old, doesn't it? To see, to see <laughs> these guys. Does. Okay. Yeah. You are getting old, Chris. Just say, yeah. Yeah. Wait till they start dying. <laughs> right. <feel> right. <laughs> so, uh, Ernest also talked about Tony Aposito. That's who I was going to talk about. When I was in elementary school, I was a goalie at age eight. And the mask I got, my dad got at a, a sporting goods store out in Salem, Massachusetts area. I went with my grandpa. And we went in. There was a Tony Aposito plastic mask. And back in those days, goalies wore a plastic mask that was almost form-fitting. And you didn't wear a cage or anything. And that's what I wore from age 10 to 12. I wore it for four years and got hit on it and all sorts of things. So, of course, I watched Tony Epicito on TV. And I also got a book about his life and how he was, you know, coming up and how his bigger brother was what people paid attention to. But he'd had the bu- butterfly style, which we, back in this day and age was sort of strange. You were told to 
stand up and then respond. But he went down on his knees and spread out his legs to either side to cover as much ice as possible. And now we see it all the time. But he was the first one to do it. And so I always loved watching him. And uh, so that was a little sad to see that he died today, too. So we're both, both Ernst and I are both watching our, our childhood heroes dying on us, Chris. So nothing like uh, getting down on. But we're looking forward to a great football season. And um, if you didn't figure out, my favorite team is the Wolverines. Ernest is the? Tar Heels and Panthers. That's it. And for Chris? Uh, the Bowling Pittsburgh, Steelers, well, Pittsburgh <laughs> Steelers and Denver Broncos and, and uh, Michigan Wolverines. I say all this because fantasy football is coming back again. And, guys, I've already found another old school trophy to give out to the winner. And last year's winner was Chris. And I hope you have it in a, a featured place in your new home. I do. It's on my, it's on my desk in my office. Nice. Nice. All right, for Ernest Watts and Chris Daniel, this is Paul Arnold. If you have any comments or questions, email me at gobluearnold at gmail.com, and have a great night. <laughs>